So in Houston, I'm John Herter. It's Tuesday, 18th day of May. Great as always to have you along, everybody. In a nutshell, From the Experts is a compressed virtual networking accelerator, helping people across industries connect very quickly in a brief, moderated, interactive show format. That's like a TED Talk with interactive discussion. So what's in it for you? If all goes well, your curiosity is sparked, new ideas come to light, and you may have helped yourself and somebody else here solve a problem make a connection, reach that opportunity a little bit faster. Networking has never been more important for your business. Today's show is the second episode in our Porter Hedges Underwriter mini-series focused on key legal trends influencing business leaders today. Please take note that we've added bonus time to this special issue. That's giving you 15 more minutes with our expert in a smaller breakout room directly following the regular show. Everybody gets invited? you choose if you want to join. So folks, help me welcome our guest expert, Laura Alanese, partner Porter Hedges, practicing in Texas since 1996, board certified labor and employment law. She represents employers in all types of employment disputes, regularly advising clients on compliance issues and related to employment related laws and prevention of claims. So Laura, so glad you could be here with us today. Uh, you know, the COVID-19 precautions that companies must take to keep their workers safe uh, kind of seem like a moving target right now. So what are you seeing from your vantage point as an expert in this field? So I absolutely agree. It is a moving target. And I know last week we got th thrown another curveball when the CDC issued the new guidance on masks. Um, and the part about the new guidance was it actually created more questions than it did answers. And so now not only are employers trying to figure out how do I maintain a safe workplace or as they're working on their protocols, how do I create a protocol that keeps my workers safe? Now, what do I do about masks? Um, and so, um, like, so I want to talk a little bit about, you know, how you address some of this new guidance and how it may affect your reopening plans or maybe change your current safety protocols. But before we get too far, I wanted to get a poll and just kind of get an idea of how many of you are already back to the office. Well, we heard uh, from Craig a little bit earlier on uh, that they're getting ready to go in about a week. It'll be interesting to see what uh, the other folks say. So we've got uh, about 53 people are coming in strong here. Uh, so folks, if you can answer it, let's finish that. We got about 70%. Ah, interesting. All right, a couple more seconds. All right, that's about, uh, there we go. I'm going to go ahead and send that result to everybody so we can see what this group says. About half. Yep, about half. So, so yours, there's some of you that are trying to figure out, do I update my protocol? And some of you are like, well, I'm working on it. How do I address this? And so let's specifically talk about what that CDC guidance said. So it stated that fully vaccinated persons can go without masks, either indoors um, or outdoors, and there's you don't have to worry about that social distancing. So that creates the question of, well, 
what do I do with my non-vaccinated workers? And more importantly, I'm sure a lot of employers are, are haven't even decided, are they going to mandate the vaccine or what they're going to do about that vaccine? And so everyone's sort of this influx on what, what are we doing? Um, and so I don't know if a lot of you have seen um, some of the news reports out there where you have employers, the big employers, um, going all over the place. So I, I've seen Starbucks, for example, they said they're going to allow their customers who are vaccinated to go without masks, but their employees are still required to wear masks. Then you have on the other side, Walmart, that's taking a slightly different approach. All their customers can go without masks um, if they're vaccinated, but, and their employees can as well, but they have to fill out a questionnaire that and says that yes, they're vaccinated. And then you have the ones on the other end of the spectrum, Kroger's and Macy's who said, you know what, we're just not changing our policy. So as employers, whether you're in the office or about ready to go back, what, what, do, we, what do you do? <laughs> so we basically said, you know, proceed with caution because first of all, you may, depending on where you are, you may have local and state rules that still apply. I think I heard, for example, New Jersey, they're going to keep theirs in place. You know, in Texas, our mask mandate was gone. Um, but then you may have some local jurisdictions, maybe some cities that still require masks. So, I mean, that's probably where you first have to look is what is our current, you know, governmental agency that governs us? Um, what are they saying? Um, but let's say you're in a jurisdiction like mine that says you don't have to wear a mask. Um, and they're, they're also um, opposed to what they call the vaccine passports. So, so what do you do with that? And so what we're hearing is that, and what we're kind of telling our clients, especially here in Texas is proceed with caution because you're still gonna have a subset of employees that aren't vaccinated yet. And you're still required to protect those employees. And you know, the easy thing is, well, what does OSHA tell us? Well, OSHA just recently put on its website that it's reviewing the CDC guidance and it will update its materials accordingly. But in the meantime, please refer to the guidance um, on measures to appropriately protect your fully vaccinated workers. Okay, that doesn't help us at all. That doesn't really tell us anything on how exactly are we supposed to deal with vaccinated versus unvaccinated. So again, it comes back to, it's actually safer to keep the mask mandates in place um, until we get just better guidance. And then more importantly, until the employers kind of develop their policy on what you're going to do. So I've heard employers that are requiring the vaccine. And so if you're in the office that has um, everyone is vaccinated, then I, th I think that that's a little bit easier that of course, well, everyone can go without masks because everyone's fully vaccinated and we're in compliance with the CDC guidance. But if you're not one of those employers who are still, I don't know what I'm gonna do yet, um, then you, you have to be able to still protect those non-vaccinated um, workers. So let's talk a little bit about vaccines. Um, we have another poll question. I'm curious to see um, what you, everyone is doing about vaccines. Hey, while... Uh, uh, Laura, can you, can you, we have here. Uh, Gus, can you mute? Hopefully, it's not me. There we go. So, what's the legal obligation towards the vaccinated versus unvaccinated? Can employers really ask employees if they've had experimental vaccine? 
can you require it? All right, so that's two questions. So first, let's talk about the EOC guidance. So the EOC guidance says that yes, as employers, you can mandate the vaccine, but they also caution to proceed with caution because while you can mandate the vaccine, you still have to be able to accommodate workers that may have a medical condition or a strongly held religious belief um, and aren't able, don't either don't want to or aren't able to take the vaccine. So yes, you can with caveats on, you have to accommodate certain workers and you really need to have a program in place to where you address um, any kind of potential um, workers that um, you know, need an accommodation. Right, so you can see the results here. Yeah, looks like we're, a vast majority of you are encouraging it, and we still have a good portion that just ha haven't decided yet. Um, one point um, that I wanted to mention is, can you ask for a proof of vaccine? Yes, and the EOC has come out and said that um, you can ask for a, a proof of vaccine, uh, but you keep it limited to, did you get the vaccine or not? And you can ask for the verification that they've gotten it. And I think I got a question um, on, well, what if you have an employer, employee that doesn't have a disability or religious belief and just doesn't want to take the vaccine? So, under the guidance, if they don't meet either of those conditions, then as employer, you can require them to take the vaccine. And if they don't take it, you can terminate. Um, so and I know it can be harsh, but it is allowed. Um, but again, you know, you, you do really have to make sure that you have that program in place to where you are letting employees that you know may not have said the magic words, or hey, I have a disability, I can't say it, you know, I can't take the vaccine, that you are really making sure you drill down and give those potential accommodations. Because um, for example, I've actually seen where um, here in Houston, the Houston Methodist Hospital is requiring the vaccine. And one of the nurses is refusing to take the vaccine. And th this is in the news reports that she doesn't want to take it because she still wants to see um, that there's a better track record for vaccines and she's just not ready. But the hospital said, June 7th, you got to get the vaccine and we're going to terminate. Um, and so the problem with that is they have the right to terminate because she doesn't have a disability and she's not claiming a religious, strongly held religious belief but she's also threatening to file a lawsuit. So as employers, do we really wanna get into that kind of sticky mess where there's no real good guidance out there and there's no real track record? And you know, maybe some of the bigger employers like Houston Methodist you know, are happy to take that. And, you know, and they're in a different situation is, I think that particular nurse was actually dealing with COVID patients. So for her not to be vaccinated and around patients potentially spreading um, you know, the virus, you know, that could pose a direct threat to other work, you know, to, uh, to um, workers and more important patients that can get vaccinated. So for them, it kind of makes sense. But if you're just in an office environment, um, does that make sense for you as an employer to be able to mandate? So, so hey, that's the big question. Tim, Catherine, and Margaret, thanks for those. And we got a couple more, Craig and Wade. So they're talking about, well, what if, uh, can we do something different for the new employees versus the existing employees? And the second one was, can you, if you mandate, can you require them to provide that proof? Where are we on that? Uh, so the, I'll do it with the easy one. So the easy ones, can you require them to have proof? Yes, according to the EOC, you can ask, absolutely, you can ask, did you get vaccinated? Please show me your vaccine card. 
you can definitely mm-hmm. do that. The harder question is that, well, can I require new um, hires to get vaccinated? So, for, so I believe it's Delta. Delta has actually started that policy where um, if they're new hires, they're requiring them to do the vaccine. And so I would say, I think you can um, because you can differentiate them. They are new hires. Um, we're starting the new policy, but it always creates an issue when you have different requirements for different employees. So there's always some traps that are involved. It's always better to have a blanket policy. On that one, I think they can make it work because it's all new hires. Um, and they can say they're still working on the protocols for the ones that are you know, currently employed, but got to be careful on those. Got it. All right, any other kind of questions that this kind of brings into um, you, you're kind of concerned about or how do you address? Yeah, there was one that uh, Tim just comes forward with 50%, 60% of the people don't want it and haven't gotten the vaccine, then there will be challenges in staffing, challenges staffing if you require the vaccine, right? Absolutely. And so, and, and that's where it comes to what does it make sense for your business? If um, you're not going to be able to get the staff that you need, I mean, even if you require it, but you're just not going to be able to hire and fill those positions, then it's going to be hard to run your business. At the end of the day, you got to figure out what's best for my business. So maybe the answer to that is we can encourage. Can we um, give some incentives? You can, but the problem with the incentives is you can't give um, large incentives, it can't be too high. So all, that's why all you're seeing is we'll give you pay time off or some employers are offering the vaccine on premises so they can make it easier. But it's not like you can give them, I'll give you a thousand dollars. That's probably too high. Um, and that might vi- violate some of the um, regulations regarding wellness programs. So, you know, at the end of the day, I think you have to figure out what works for your business. And if it's your decision as a business, we're just not going to have the right staffing if we require it, then that's when you're going to have to, you know, look at, I'm going to need those stricter protocols. Am I going to have to make everybody wear masks, um, keep that social distancing? Yeah, you probably will have to, because there's also one of the unanswered questions is if I let my vaccinated workers not wear masks, but require my non-vaccinated to wear a mask, that is, um, that will tell you which ones are vaccinated, which ones are not. And does that create other issues of, is it disclosing, um, you know, (laughs) their vaccine um, immunization, which is supposed to be protected. So lots of traps and unfortunately no clear answers. So a little different version of that. Cherie says, well, can you mandate that only certain groups of employees are vaccinated, like the IT guys who are touching computers and stuff like that? So I think you can. Um, And so the the advice would be that if you're picking up a particular group like the IT, I think that's a great, a great one to talk about that if they're all, you know, kind of close together um, and, um, you know, not all of them are vaccinated, then you can, you can say, hey, look, because you're so close together, we can't put some measure in place to protect you. We're going to need you all to take the vaccine. So I think you can. Um, You just have to have a business reason for doing that. So you can't just say, oh, I'm going to let, you know, A, B, and C take it in this department, but not let the other ones not require it. You can't do that. So if you're going to 
you know, try to allow some people to do it, some people not, I would do it with the same, you know, same job descriptions, maybe in the same department, um, just so you can justify why you've picked that particular group versus another group. Got it. Uh, another one, what about contractors working on your site? Well, as contractors, you can, um, I know, you know, some people may not have been um, requiring, but as a part of your contract, you may be able to require it. So you would say that, you know, we're not going to hire you if you don't have the vaccine. Um, what about those guys versus employees in the same grouping? Well, so the difference is for employees, employers have greater obligations to protect their employees and they're subject to the ADA and all of those regulations. But with independent contractors, those discrimination laws don't apply. So you, you have a little bit more flexibility with independent contractors versus an employee that are, there are a lot greater protections for. Right. Last variability there. What about interns? Any difference? Um, you know, if interns are employees, even if they're just for the summer, I, I think those would be the same. <laughs> right. So, so another question is, you know, what's the response of those that are kind of comparing this flu shots, you know, and uh, the choice to take it, no requirements and no tracking of it. It's kind of a slippery slope questioning why a company, you know, would not question other health test proof to show they can't infect others. So, you know, how are these vaccine actions allowed within HIPAA, OSHA, and the others protected and not allowed? Well, so part of it is, is that we're relying on the EOC. So the EOC has come out very strongly and said, and put out that guidance. It was back in December when the latest guidance came out and said that for, because of COVID, because it is so infectious, they are sort of allowing a little bit more flexibility than they are with other um, diseases. So it's allowed because EOC has come out and said, our interpretation of the ADA is that we're gonna allow this to happen under certain parameters. Right. right. Uh, is every business required to create a policy program regarding vaccination before everyone gets back into office? Are you required? No, but <laughs> should you? Absolutely. Because if you don't have that program in place and have those standards in place and you treat somebody a little bit different because you don't have those standards in place, that's, that, that's going to create some, some traps for you. So you really need to have that in place um, so you're consistently treating all of your employees the same. Yeah, got it. Okay. That's the last one that I've got on the board right now. Um, oh, wait, here's one more. Uh, how much protection is there that just because the EOC has said this, it's not legislation, seems like you're still open to a lawsuit having a different outcome decided by courts, question mark? I mean, I, I think that that's a good point. I mean, there are times when the EOC has come out and said um, one thing and the courts have disagreed with them and come up with a different conclusion. So are you still open? Yes. Um, now, I, I think the, the weight of it is, is because of this particular pandemic and how infectious this particular virus is, um, that, that's why they're able to come to their conclusions. But absolutely, you may have a court that can come to a different conclusion. Right. Interesting from Catherine. She's like, okay, if you reward, if you incentivize people to get the vaccine, do you reward those who got the vaccine anyway? 
<laughs> oh boy. I mean, yeah. yeah. Uh, can an employer be held liable for injuries if the vaccine is mandated for their employees? That's from Deborah Shelton. So what I have seen on this is that um, any, if you have workers comp, um, any kind of injuries that they can show is direct related from the vaccine then it's, and it's mandated, then it usually becomes a workers comp claim and it's addressed through that avenue. Um, so that's where we're seeing most of it go to is workers comp claims. Okay, cool. We said, uh, uh, Ray comes forward and says, hey, there's some proposed legislation he believes uh, employer immunity was floated. Is any of that still actually pending? Um, there is, under, I think it might be under one of the more recent bills that has actually passed. There is some immunity for employers that um, allow vaccines on their premises. I mean, it's, it's not extensive, but th there's a few protections um, for that. But then again, if there is claims about I got sick because of the vaccine, that's going through workers' comp. Got it. And Jared here just says, hey, by the way, his company's got an incentive, uh, $100 HSA contribution for employees who choose to get vaccinated. So that's the way they're doing it there. Yep. And so, you know, $100, I mean, that, that's not probably not considered too high. So um, that's probably going to be allowed because that's the other issue. Is the EEOC hasn't said what is too high. So employers are sort of left to guess what that is. Right. Okay. So uh, do you have any last takes or uh, thoughts before we move forward? So well, I will say is it's very complicated and, you know, proceed with caution. It's probably always safest to, you know, you know, have that social distancing and wearing masks if you're going to have, you know, employees that aren't vaccinated just to be safe until we get that clear guidance. We keep waiting for OSHA to come out with some guidance. And I've been waiting for that for a while now. So I would say in the meantime, if you're trying to be risk adverse, I would go with the more caution. Got it. And here was your last question, right? That you wanted to get some feedback from the audience. We'll see what uh, what their take is. Yeah, let us know what um, you think your office is going to look like in the future. Okay, it looks like uh, we've got just about all of it in now. This is what the, this is what this group of people says. Pretty much hybrid. Yeah, I guess you got about a quarter of folks saying they're going to go back full time. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Folks, today's show is brought to you by our underwriters. Arion, the full service project engineering firm, respected, trusted, and highly valued by select energy industry clients. Porter Hedges, attorneys at law, the informed choice for complicated litigation in the energy business. Interpoint, protecting what you care about most, people, profits, brand, and the environment. Alliance Benefit Group, building retirement plans for your business that work. Okay, Laura, so what do you say? Let's open the floor. Let's hear from uh, some of the folks, some of you guys that are out there. So folks, uh, the question that we'd like your input on, and you've seen this, we put the discussion question out there. How has or has the CDC guidance changed the way that you're returning to work or your current protocols? And Gus, if you take a minute and post that question out there so to make it easier for our team. And 
uh, folks, when it's your turn, briefly introduce yourself, your business, and along with your take. And by the way, you can also drop that info in the chat if it's easier for you. So who would like to go first? Holt, are you still there? I think it'd be interesting to, uh, to hear uh, what's happening from your perspective. Yeah, I'm still here. Well, the question was the CDC guidance. Um, yeah. How that changed our perspective? Well, um, I work at uh, Calumet Specialty Products. So we're a, a specialty hydrocarbon company. We make a lot of ingredients and chemicals that go into other, other uh, products. Um, but we have so many facilities across the country. We're still kind of waiting on OSHA. So, so far, we're playing it conservative and still having our uh, people, you know, mask up. Um, all of our shared services and the headquarters and stuff, we're still, um, we're at 25% capacity. So we generally go in one day a week, but the, the, the folks that have to go in and be present every day in the, in the manufacturing facilities and the refineries, uh, they still have to, to mask up. So, so far it hasn't changed our policies, but we're certainly having those discussions. Um, and we're trying to, you know, we're trying to tie in encouraging the vaccine. We have a, like a $50 uh, vaccine incentive, but we're trying to tie that into, hey, everybody, if we all get vaccines uh, and we all, and, and you let our nurse case manager know, then we can start loosening the restrictions up. We can start taking the masks off because obviously nobody likes wearing the mask. So we're trying to encourage people by tying it into loosening those restrictions. Got it. Uh, anybody else out there? Deborah, what about you? What's What's on your mind? What's happening? Yeah, so I would say it's very similar um, to what Holt mentioned. Um, our manufacturing facilities obviously have been continuing to operate um, during the pandemic. And so we have protocols in place um, for social distancing where, um, where possible and wearing masks and um, have added um, additional safety measures with um, um, hand sanitizers and, and things like that to keep our, our manufacturing operations safe. But um, here in the corporate offices where, um, where I am, um, we still have the mask mandate. So if you're in, um, in a shared space, um, then, you know, masks are required. Anybody else out there? Share Hi, this is uh, Courtney Moser. I'm with Legal Access Plans LLC in Houston, Texas. And we um, are a strictly corporate office um, setup. We have no customer face-to-face uh, -face interaction. So we have, um, you know, erred on the side of caution by continuing to require masks in a shared space, um, just like Deborah said, as well as uh, hand sanitizers and things like that. But we are interested in trying to update our policies. So this has been very informative so far. Well, good. Well, if you're interested, hang on. You can talk with Laura uh, at the end here. Uh, Catherine, great to see you. And, uh, you know, from your perspective on the renewables utility you're working for, you, you, you may have more face-to-face. -face. So what are you guys looking at in your office? Right. So in my office, we do a lot of uh, site inspections because we're supporting projects that are doing uh, energy efficiency around, around the city of D.C. So we we're doing we're still doing remote inspections so instead of going to the customer site and looking around to see if they've actually changed their lighting to leds we are having them send us photos so internally we're being so much more careful 
Um, employees are not doing site visits for safety. And we've just made it to be that nobody has to go out there. Interesting. Anybody else? Some thoughts uh, or more questions, I suppose. Hey, John, this is Tim. Yeah, yeah, I work for uh, Shell, which is a Dutch company. So they, they tend to have a high focus on, uh, on uh, privacy concerns. And so there's been no change in the U.S. Uh, with regard to wearing a mask in the office, but most people are remote working anyway. So th there's not a lot of uh, folks on campus. I think um, going forward, they'll reconfigure the office space to be far more uh, meeting space um, for workshops and things like that. And they'll continue to uh, do remote working because it's been so successful. <clears throat> and those that want to be on campus can be on campus. So what, what the future holds as far as masks go, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm sure they're evaluating that based on a lot of factors uh, week in and week out as they, they um, make plans for employees returning more and more to uh, campus. Thanks, Tim. And that's uh, many campuses. And I think that'll be interesting uh, and probably regional in how people behave, I imagine. Yeah, I was going to add that too, that, that uh, I'm sure there will be different regional um, guidelines around that. Yeah, thanks. So Sharice is, uh, my, hey, my speaker's not working well. In our corporate headquarters, the CDC guidance is currently still being discussed. I believe vaccinated will not have to wear a mask it will be optional. Non-vaccinated will have to wear a mask in common areas. Thanks for that, Sharice. And by the way, drop uh, your company name whenever you get a chance. Wade's asking, will we see uh, an issue trying to get employees back into the office? Any thoughts on that, Laura? What, uh, what are you hearing from other uh, of your, um, your clients? Yeah, I have heard that issue where, you know, as employers are starting to tell their employees, hey, we're thinking about coming back and they're getting some pushback from some of their employees that they may not necessarily have a medical condition, but they're just afraid to come back because you'll hear some that, well, I have somebody that lives at me, with me that's at higher risk for COVID. So are we seeing that? Absolutely. And sort of what we're telling people is, is that, um, be very open on what your safety protocols are and let them know here's what we're doing. Give them the opportunity to, um, you know, express whatever those concerns are. And some of them may be easy that you can address. Um, some of them may not. For example, I had one where it was an office environment and they, they were in cubes. Um, and even though they were only doing, you know, uh, shifts where certain people could come in at, on different days, you had one employee that's like, I want plexiglass around my cube. But it was so cost prohibited that particular employer couldn't do it. So all they could do is just reassure, hey, look, we're not having full capacity. We're only having certain people come at certain times. We're having that social distancing and we're requiring that. So it's just really important to really communicate um, what your protocols are and how that's consistent with the guidance. Um, but at the end of the day, if you have an employee that says, I don't want to come to the office because I'm afraid, I mean, as an employer, you can make that decision to say, you know what, I, I need you to come back in if you want to keep your job. Got it. So then we have uh, uh, Jenna Glasser 
she says uh, to Wade and everybody else, hey, on the flip side of this is also true. You can use it as a recruiting tool for those in the past who weren't able to work remotely due to the role type. So Jenna, can you, you know, say a little bit more on that? Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, I, I did actually recently switch jobs during the pandemic, right? So I went from a 10,000 plus person global uh, company to a much smaller company. And in the larger one, which was in bank operations, there are a lot of jobs that cannot be done remotely, period, right? There are also a lot of jobs that in the past, because their entry-level workers have been considered things that, that shouldn't ever be done remotely. And in the beginning of the pandemic, we got up and, and running remotely. And that has enabled us to use as a recruiting tool this option of like, hey, you don't have to be in the office every day. And as we come back to offices, you know, continuing to do some of that remote work, which also allows like large companies to let go of a lot of commercial space and use its space more efficiently and save, save a lot of money while also recruiting talent. We do have, I think somebody mentioned, because we were uh, or are in a number of locations, right, a significant variation across sites in what the protocol is. And so the, the tendency is to move towards the more conservative approach to make sure that things are consistent. Um, and and it, it's interesting to be managing a site in Southern California where everyone's in a red zone or a purple zone and like a site in Arizona where people are getting pedicures at the bar while they're drinking cocktails. <laughs> yeah, my life is interesting. People are interesting. Uh, so Craig, what about you? I, I know that you said y'all are thinking about going back in a week. What's on your mind after all this we've talked yeah, about? Yeah, well, we have a really, really interesting workforce um, in a good way. It's 75% of our uh, employees are scientists. So, or, um, or interns from um, PhD programs. And so I, I think our issue is that I believe that nearly everybody is going to be vaccinated uh, and already has been. So our issue is more um, letting remote workers um, make choices for their own uh, flexibility. We have offices in um, Silicon Valley, in Boulder, Colorado, and in New York City. So just dealing with the very, uh, having one consistent policy and dealing with the three different locales um, that seem to be doing different things. Um, Silicon Valley, where we are, is still very uh, much controlled by the county. And so they're still mandating masks. And um, then just dealing with the one-off, I think there's probably one person that I've even heard of that has a big concern. Uh, but her concern is more not necessarily about everyone being vaccinated. It's um, in our office, we are in an office building and there's public restrooms and she's more concerned about other people coming into the public restroom without it being cleaned after each use and, and the counters. So it's good to have very, very intelligent PhD scientists uh, as your employees because they, um, they all see the value of vaccination. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, Holt comes back and he says, hey, we're getting significant pushback on a return to work. It's essentially a pay cut for employees who have been working remotely for the past 15 months, you know, gas, insurance, lunch, et cetera. As Labor and Employment Council, I personally notice fewer hotline complaints, fewer EEOC charges and less office drama. Anybody uh, have any comments to that? 
So then uh, Nelvi Garcia, hopefully I got that right. How are companies addressing the issue with employees with small children who are not able to get vaccinated? That's a great one. Laura. Yeah, so, uh, so the EEOC guidance is this, is that you only have to accommodate the employee that has a disability. So if you have a younger child or even someone at home that's at high risk, you don't have to accommodate for that. Now, with that being said, you're going to have some empo- employers that, you know, they want to take care of their employees and are concerned about their families. So they are still allowing kind of that flexibility to allow some people to, to work from home if they're with somebody with kids that are not vaccinated or living with somebody at high risk. So the law is you don't have to accommodate, but I I think we're seeing that employers are still trying to be understanding. Got it. Uh, Anybody else out there? Uh, Nancy Fan, uh, Russ Morose, uh, Abdel Sonder, anybody? Got anything that you'd like to add or share with the group? Hi, this is Nancy. You know, with um, my company, we really are trying to um, understand each individual's uh, situation. And so we're, we're going into a space where we are coming back into the office. We are, you know, if you're vaccinated, you don't have to wear your mask. But if you, you are not vaccinated, please wear your mask in common areas. The great thing is we have seen the great work that people can do from home. And so we're having this flexible schedule where... You know, we want you to come into the office three days a week and everyone comes in on Wednesday. So that Wednesday is just like a great time for everyone to coordinate and work together. Um, So that's been helpful for us, but we're only about a hundred people in the office at this location. And the rest of our workers, um, they work on our, in the sites and in the field. So um, we're really just trying to keep them safe as well. Got it. Dozier, uh, Scott Dozier, uh, thanks for that, uh, Nancy. So he says, in a sales role, we're seeing and feeling the pressure for more face-to-face interactions, both clients and collaborators. As a fully vaccinated person, I feel safe, but we accommodate clients and partners as needed. Any thoughts about this, Laura? Um, so I, you know, there, I think there are some roles that just really need that kind of that face to face. Um, I, I know I've just heard a lot of companies that, you know, while we can work remotely, we're missing that connection and that kind of collaboration. And I think particularly in a sales role where you're trying to get, um, you know, your customer to buy something and that that face-to-face really helps with that sale. So I, so I guess the answer is, is that, um, you know, it's up to the employer whether they think it's essential to have that face-to-face. Um, but, you know, it's, it's kind of up to you on how you want to deal with it. Cause I think we have learned that can you work remotely for the most part? Yes. Um, but you, I think you're still going to have that lingering, well, we think it'll be better or you'll be more productive if it's kind of an in-person. Um, so, I, I, you know, it's kind of up to that particular business on how they want to address that. And Laura, this is Scott with ABG. I, you know, we've, uh, just to kind of follow up on that, um, we've seen activity go up significantly 
uh, in terms of you know sales, new business, new opportunities. And it's and it is being driven face to face, and there is even on the client side, they're wanting to meet with us, see us, and and have body language and all that good stuff. So, um, there's sort of a balancing act we're having to do there, and and a bit of a, you know, my rule is is just it's just kind of like walking into the HEB. If the HEB requires it, then I'm going to do it. Right. Um, same thing with the clients and and how they want to set things up in terms of face to face interaction, and so that's how we're treating it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, th- I think that's right, is, is that um, the, for, for the law perspective is, can you require your employees to do that face-to-face? And if you can show that that's essential, that in, particularly in a sales role, that you're not as effective and you can't make those sales if you're not in person, then you can say that's essential and you can require it. But if you're in a situation where, you know, it, the stats look like whether you're in person or doing the Zoom or any kind of kind of Teams meetings that works the same, then that's going to be harder to show that that's essential and to require. So that's what you kind of boil it down to. Can I show that that face-to-face is essential to really perform that job? Thanks, Laura. And that's the last word on the group discussion for the show today. So how was the discussion in networking? FTE post-show notes will hit your email later today. You'll need to take 30-second survey in order to get your copy of today's attendee contact list. You'll also find links to the FTE videos and podcasts from previous shows. FTE belongs to you. It's your community and networking platform. Don't forget to follow up and connect the dots with each of these people after the meeting. And oh, by the way, if you or somebody you know is working on an innovative next generation idea, technology or business model and wanna share their challenge where they are now with the FT network, let us know in that survey. We'd like to connect and learn more. Good experience on FT Day? Great, share it, build this community with others that you want to. Forward our newsletters and invite your connections to our events. Folks, we're out of time. Be sure and join us for our next events. June 2nd, a Share, Match, and Meet Classic Networking Roundtable, Leads and Needs, Market Outlook. Invite your colleagues that you want to get to know better. Networking has never been more important to your business, so show up on June 2nd. June 15th, this was a lot of what we talked about. This is about setting up the hybrid workplace for success. We're really pleased to have Ariane's head of IT, Josh Mank, He's going to share their hybrid workplace approach and address some of the key challenges and wanting some input from your own lessons learned there. So sign up right now on the website, fte.network. fte.network, invite your friends, please. It's bonus time. That means if you'd like to spend a few more minutes with our expert, please accept the bonus room invitation coming from Gus right now on your screen. So thanks once again, Laura, and the Porter Hedges crew, well, and all of you for making FTE Tuesdays the smartest 45 minutes of your day. Take care, everybody, and we'll see you guys in two weeks or in the bonus room. Thanks again for the great conversation.